G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Connecting faith to life. Vision. Coming up today on The Story. And so when she sent the photograph over, it was only half a photograph right up to the waist. And on the top it said 786, which means I begin in the name of Allah. So my dad had a good look at the photograph and he said, Oh, he's not only a good looking man, but he's also a very committed Muslim because he has put 786. So, okay, you can go and get married to him. The decision was made. The Story. G'day, I'm Jimmy Colfax. Welcome to The Story. An international one for you today with Abita Peltola, who has lived in different parts of the world before eventually coming to live here in Australia. She was born in India and raised in a strict Muslim family. She eventually moved to Fiji after only seeing a photo of her husband-to-be, who was picked out by her sister. She soon found out after she arrived that he was not at all like she was led to expect. Abita Peltola is chatting and sharing her story with Eric Scatterbo. Abita Peltola, welcome to the program. Thank you. Glad to have you with us. And Abita, you've been quite a world traveler during your life. You were born in India, then you moved to the South Mm -hmm. Pacific, and then later moving on here to Australia. But what we really want to focus on today is the journey of your heart, so to speak. So let's get right to it. What was life like growing up in India, and what were some of the events that happened that really shaped your heart? Well, growing up uh, in a Muslim family, we were very close. My dad was a parachute jumping instructor in the Air Force. Mm-hmm. So we had a sort of freedom of going to a Christian school, which my mom wanted us to uh, speak good English. So the first six years of our lives were basically in a Christian Catholic school, a convent of Jesus and Mary, even though we come from a very strict um, Muslim background. Yeah, that must have been kind of confusing that, (laughs) you know, you're taught that God is one way from your Muslim background, but yet at the Catholic school, you were introduced to your Heavenly Father and taught the Lord's Prayer. Did that confuse you? It did. Uh, When I entered for the first time a Catholic church, there was this picture of Jesus there and those padded seats, I still remember. (laughs) And I actually memorized this prayer, Our Father who art in heaven, Hallowed be thy name. And I stopped and I said, Father, what does, we never called Allah a father. So I wonder who this father is. And I like the part where it said, give us a daily bread. To me, it was bread. And I said, oh, yeah, I'm going to get some nice bread. <laughs> uh, but didn't realize. And, um, you know, so, yes. And uh, in my heart, I had spoken very quietly to Allah. And I had said, Allah, I'm here and there are people watching me. And in my heart, you know that I honor you and you are my God. But I'm sorry, I have to say this prayer. So please do not get upset with me. Hmm. That was my response. And actually, your Muslim upbringing taught you a little bit about Jesus, because there is some mention of Jesus in the Quran. Yes, yes. There were four things that um, I usually talk about, that Jesus is of virgin birth. It's mentioned in the Quran. Mm -hmm. Jesus has raised a person from the dead. And 
you know, his name in Arabic is Isa Ruh Allah, which means a prophet who can uh, give life. Ruh is life. So that was uh, mentioned in the Quran. Uh, also that he did not die a shameful death on the cross, but Allah picked him up alive so he didn't have to suffer. So all Muslims know that Jesus is alive. And the fourth is the day of judgment, which is Qiyamat, that Jesus is coming back. So these four truths I already knew, even as a Muslim. So it's interesting to know that the Quran puts Jesus in a very positive light. Yes, and he's a great, great, loving prophet. Yes. But that's the key, though. He's not the savior no, of the universe. No, the, the he's not the prophet or greater than Muhammad who wrote the Quran. And, and of course, that's where Christianity and Islam differ. And that, yes. of course, as Christians, we believe that Jesus that's is the Son of God and the Savior of the universe. Yes. Okay, well, let's move on with your story. So you grew up, and it sounds like you were trying your best to be a good Muslim. Muslim, yeah. Then what happened next in your life? Well, uh, even as a um, Muslim, uh, there's a angel sitting on my right that... Um, uh, records all the good things I do, but there's an angel on my left who records all the bad things that I do. So we try to uh, live our lives based on good works, try to please people, please parents, love the poor. And when I saw those poor people begging in front of me, um, the children who have not eaten for three days, and I would share as a good Muslim, I would share my food. So it was very difficult. And even at that time, in my heart, I was seeking God. And I was seeking that, Allah, can you give me a gift where I can touch these lepers and have enough food for these people? Maybe I should have a magic or something that I couldn't stand to see the poverty and the pollution and the population that, you know, was sort of destroying that nation. And I used to love people as a child even, help them and see the poor people and cry when they were carrying loads and making those buildings. And I wanted to study and make a difference. So that was in my heart right from the beginning, asking for those gifts to help the people. Mm -hmm. And you just mentioned studying. You did go on to study and get a university degree? Well, my dad, yes, I went to um, university, but before that, when I was at the school, when I finished high school, my dad was not able to send us to college. So I taught from 7 to 11 at the primary school. Then from 1 o'clock to 4, I was at university. We still didn't have enough money oh, because wow. we were six sisters and a brother, and we still couldn't afford to pay for everyone's education and food. So mom and dad asked if I could do private tutoring, which because of my English level, I could. So from 6 to 9, on the bicycle, I would travel and wow. in people's homes and raise funds so that I could go to college. So that was my lifestyle. So you managed to get a degree in education? The first degree was in arts, and then I did my Bachelor of Education. Okay, and then let's go forward to the point where it's typical in your family to have someone pick out a husband for you. Yes. Is that right? Yes, yes. In our culture, in my family, as a Muslim, uh, parents decide who we're going to marry, and so it was an arranged marriage. And my sister, who was um, two years older than me, had uh, married a man who was from Fiji. He, mm -hmm. he was um, originally a Hindu, from a Hindu background. 
but he had converted to Islam so that my sister could get married. And they had moved to Fiji Islands. And there she was given the opportunity to choose a man for me, a husband. Wow. And yeah, as an obedient daughter, the way I was brought up, it is acceptable because we don't know any other way because no dating, yep, yep. no boyfriends. I didn't even know the word coating and dating. What is yeah. that? Yeah, because we yeah, didn't grow up with that. But that was just the expected thing that a yes. member of your family would pick out? Yes. yes. And being the elder now, the, it's very important about my this particular sister, because she suffered from epileptic fits. So somehow she was given a very special treatment mm -hmm. in the family and uh, favoritism and being the important, the firstborn and the smart uh, daughter. And somehow I was the labeled as uh, the dumb one in the family. And wow. I, Even I though you had these uh, degrees yeah, and everything? Yeah. In spite of that, yes, wow. but not as clever as because I took longer to study and mm. uh, yeah, she would get it straight away. You know, all children in our family are different. Yeah, right. And yeah, so not everyone learns the same way. Mm -hmm. yep. But somehow that label, you know, if people continue to give you a label for a long time, you start believing and exactly. it's a lie. Yeah. Yep. yeah, so I grew up believing a lie. And so all my life. I tried to live getting approval of mom and dad. Mm -hmm. If she played games in athletics and if she had 30 trophies, I would compete. And I, in 100 meters, we both ran. And one day I actually beat her by 30 seconds. But she said, can you please get back? And I did because she is my sister and love. And I, <laughs> I loved her. And so she got that first you know, place. And I was happy about that. Yeah. But that sort of, um, you know, uh, reverence, love we have in the family for each other. And yet I did feel left out mm -hmm. and treated as a second hand, second person and yeah, you know, not best. that important. Yeah. So she arranged, she found the husband for me. And, and correct me if I'm wrong, but you were thinking, well, that's proper because she's better than I am. Yes. That's kind of what you were thinking. Yes. Yes. Mm -hmm. And so when she sent the photograph over, it was only half a photograph right up to the waist. Mm -hmm. And um, on the top, it said 786, which means I begin in the name of Allah. So my dad had a good look at the photograph and he said, oh, he's not only a good looking man, but he's also a very committed um, Muslim because he has put 786, which is I begin in the name of Allah. So, OK, you can go and get married to him. The decision was made. So th that was all he needed to know. He gave him the thumbs up. That's it. That's it. It was done. And what did you think when you saw the photograph? Well, uh, I had no comments, but uh, I thought he looked good. And as long as he was, my heart's desire was as long as he would love me the way I am. Uh, mm -hmm. I would live in a small place on a beach anywhere, you know. But the only thing I wanted him was that he was taller than me. I didn't want a short husband. <laughs> so that you had something against short not, guys, huh? <laughs> <laughs> I didn't uh, sort of, uh, you know, expect too much, but that's all I wanted. You're listening to The Story. Today, Eric Scadabo is chatting with Abita Peltola, who is originally from India and was raised in a strict Muslim family. At this point in the story, she's about to move to Fiji to meet her husband-to-be, who was picked out by her sister. We'll hear how Abita learns that her new husband is not at all like how she thought he would be when we return. The Story. 
If this program has highlighted something you'd like prayer for, we'd love to pray for you. Call 1-800-PRAY-FOR-ME. That's 1-800-772-936. It's a free call. Or text 0401-132-888. I'm Jimmy Colfax, and this is The Story. We're continuing with Eric Scatterbo chatting with Abida Peltola, who was originally from India and was raised in a strict Muslim family. At this point in her story, she's about to meet her husband-to-be in Fiji, who had been picked out by her sister. She had never seen him before in person, but had only seen a photograph. Sadly, things did not go as expected for Abida in this new country. So then I travelled to meet and it was very very sad leaving my parents my sisters and brothers my friends at school and like i didn't know when i would see them again 1978 wow you're just leaving everything that you know yes yes all the familiar yeah all my love uh, for the people yeah. my parents my brothers and sisters and i flew 10000 miles away to come and arrive in fiji to meet this stranger and the only connection you would have there would be your sister, who you have this kind That's of uh, competitive yes. relationship yes. with, which yes. took a turn for the worse. Is that right? Yes, it did. Um, How did she treat you? Um, she was treating me as well as she could at that time because she had needs and uh, she needed me to look after the children, which I did. And the two children, I went to care for them. And uh, I lived with my husband, but uh, I would get up in the morning and go and care for her children because, yeah, that was her uh, reason that she had got me and then to settle me down and, uh, you know, so that I could have a life. And mm-hmm. so it, I do appreciate that it's because of her that I could get out of the country and have a life that I have now where she took, um, you know, that initiative to invite me over. So I could see that love there mm-hmm. at that time, yeah. Okay, and when you arrived and you met your soon-to-be husband, things weren't quite as you thought they were going to be. No, my expectation, my heart shattered at that time because um, when I met him and we talked for only 10 minutes and then my heart was thumping and I said, I wish I could see if he's taller than me. And then my (laughs) sister asked me. Again with um, the height. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, I think it is uh, something that's in our personality, something that uh, it was my heart's desire. Mm -hmm. And uh, so he stood up, but he was um, shorter than me. But that decision was made. Even if half an inch taller, he would have been. But that's it. The decision was made. I was going to respect that Mm -hmm. and accept that. And on the third day, I went to the court and they, I made a vow saying, yes, I take him as my legally wedded husband. And mm-hmm. then I wondered, I said, Allah, I hope he will love me and not hit me physically and accept me and not drink alcohol. Because these are the things that I feared growing up in India, that if we are ill-treated by a husband and uh, that he would be a good Muslim. But you found out that wasn't the case? No. No, as soon as I got married and um, I opened the Quran and I said, let's read because I had learned to read um, the Quran, um, learning even in Arabic, you know, and uh, Bismillah rahman rahim I start in the name of Allah. And then I had memorized uh, the scriptures that we need to use to pray by heart. I knew them. 
So when I did that, he said, um, oh, we are modern Muslims. We go to um, mosque once in a year when there's a, the namaz time for Eid al-Fitr when they celebrate their, you know, after the 40 days of fasting. Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't read the Quran and I don't pray in the morning. I said, well, I thought you are a Muslim and I'm a Muslim from India and, you know. And the Quran says if the husband doesn't know, the wife teaches and the wife doesn't know, the husband teaches. So what do you want? He says, no, um, you come from a backward country, India, and you don't know about, you know, nightclub, going out and enjoying life and having fun. And I said, oh, well, that was a culture shock to me, actually, because I thought that Fiji would be like mini India. Mm. Yeah, so he was drinking and going to nightclubs and that kind of thing? Yes, yes, he loved doing that. Which is a a big shock to you as a devout Muslim. Yes, because I didn't grow up with no alcohol, smoke, nightclubs Mm -hmm. or anything like that. So it was a shock to me. But then I went along because he's my husband and Mm -hmm. I'm going to please him. Dad said, after Allah, after God, you worship your husband and respect him. So that's the way in India we grow up is the values that we got from the parents. Okay, so that was a shock. Well, you had a few shocks. I mean, you got over the height part, but then you found out that he wasn't as devout as you thought he was. But then also there were some uh, problematic things that he was kind of controlling. Yes, and uh, those things that um, I wanted to find a job because I was a qualified teacher. And I said, if I work, we will have enough money because it wasn't a very well-paid job. So I said, if I work, we will have things at home. I can buy clothes for children, look after myself. And if I get 400 I will give you 350 and only $50 I would send to India. Is that okay? And even that he disagreed and it broke my heart once again. I was struggling because my parents did not have enough money uh, to buy food and clothes and they were dependent on the two sisters that had left my sister and myself to provide for the rest of the children at home, five of us. Mm-hmm. Still there, you know, and two are here. So it was very difficult and not allowing me to go and visit my sister at certain times and, and not allowing me to work. So that was even difficult and I couldn't tell anyone about it because mm-hmm. when mom and dad asked, I said, no, everything is fine. I didn't want them to be hurt and upset about what I was going through. Were there yeah. any other problems in the marriage? Well, uh, that control uh, ended up in once I was physically abused and I did leave and went to live with my sister. But I, after some time, I felt sorry for him and he apologized and he came. And I said, nobody in my life, I've grown up and I'm 28 and has ever hit me physically. And I, I was shaken and I was traumatized by that. Mm, yeah. But I did forgive because I was married and, you know, it's just one incident and people make mistakes here. So I came back and we continued and we had two children. And meanwhile, your relationship with your sister deteriorated. Well, my relationship was uh, very distant because uh, she had all these material things in her life that Mm -hmm. were valuable. For me, I said love was more important than marriage and children and happiness. And for her, it was, um, you know, big house, car and diamond rubies, sapphires and things like that. So whenever I would go to her place, then she would say, oh, it's about uh, midday. It's time for me to sleep. Can you let me know next time? So I would walk back home. And so she did look after 
the children, but it was all very strict terms of how she tried to help me. So, yeah. She didn't want you touching her refrigerator, is that right? Yeah, just the, yeah, because I didn't know how to use those things, you know, like I did, we didn't have those things in India. So yeah. there were certain restrictions and um, not sharing clothes or if she had shampoo back home in India, she would be able to get that and she wouldn't allow and freely share. So it wasn't a very close, it was a very competitive relationship. Mm. Yeah. So you always felt that you were second best and it yes, sounds like best, she no. felt that she was the best and yes. kind of let you know it in a sense. Yes, yes. But that all changed one day. One day. One day I went in and she opened the door and she offered me orange juice and smiling face and all the love. And I said, She had never oh, done that before? No. And then she said, um, uh, have a seat and, you know, like I want to talk to you. And I said, oh. You look very happy. Did you get another diamond ring from your husband? <laughs> and she said, no, I accepted Jesus Christ as my savior. Wow. Yeah, that was a shock to me. Yeah, that must have been a big shock yeah, for many was. reasons. Yeah, many reasons. And um, I said, how did that happen? And uh, she would normally shut the door because we were very strong Muslims and we didn't want to hear um, anything about any other religions because we knew that we had it right. Mm. He was the true and living God and he's a spirit and we didn't worship idols either. Mm -hmm. So we were not from a Hindu background. So you, can you see the difference? Like Hindus have idols, but Muslims mm -hmm. do not worship idols. So we thought we got it right. Allah is the only true and living God and all non-Muslims go to hell because they are not Muslims. So that's what we believed strongly as we grew up since uh, childhood. So when she mentioned Jesus Christ, I said, how did you know that? Because I told her that we are, you know, like Christianity is a Western religion. It's only for white people. Jesus must have died. And she said, no. Can you imagine an educated person with double degree who never heard the gospel in India mm. would know that Jesus actually died for every person in the world, not just for the white people. Mm. So when she mentioned that, she said this friend of mine, Bridget, had left a book outside because uh, she was not able to talk to my sister. But this is a very well-known book written by a Muslim lady, Bilkis Sheikh, and it is called, I Dared to Call Him Father. Now, that was the very profound, uh, moving story written by this uh, lady, Bilkis Sheikh, uh, that touched her. Sally started reading my sister, and then she was very moved. And uh, at the same time, there was a knock on the door, and there was a group of people from Wakatani, Youth with a Mission, who had come to share the gospel. They came usually in Fiji to share the gospel, and they said, we have come to share the good news with you. And my sister was, yes, she was blown away. And that's when she accepted Christ. Wow. They came right when she was reading that book. Yes. She had just finished reading the book. Oh, wow. And yeah. And the knock on the door. And that's when she accepted Jesus as a savior. And when she um, challenged me, are your prayers being answered? I thought for a while and I said, no, because I didn't have a job and I mm. didn't know how to relate, you know, and have a good relationship with my husband. And there were things we needed. And uh, I was worried about my family in India, not being able to send the money. But Allah will listen one day, 
you know, I said to her, because he is a great God and in his time he will answer. And she told me that, do you know what will happen to you if you die today? And I said, no, not even Muhammad knew what will happen. And so how would I know? It is up to Allah to decide when and what happens to us. He says, no, I know that if I die today, I will go to heaven and Jesus is waiting for me because there's a mansion prepared for me. That was Abida Peltola chatting with Eric Scadabo about her life growing up in a strict Muslim family and then moving to Fiji to marry a man who turned out to be quite different than she was led to expect. But that's not how the story ends. As we heard, her sister has just become a Christian and now Abida faces a decision. Should she use this information against her sister so that she will finally become her parents' favourite? Or should she find out more about Jesus and why he has such a profound impact on her sister's life? Well, we'll find out what happens next time. Meanwhile, I want to let you know about the book just mentioned that was instrumental in her sister's conversion. It's called I Dare to Call Him Father by Bilquis Sheik. It was originally published in 1978 and is a classic in Muslim evangelism. And it is still in print today with over 300,000 copies sold. Well, until next time when we'll hear part two of Abita Peltola's intriguing story, I'm Jimmy Colfax, encouraging you to share your story with someone today. Next time on The Story. And when he found out, he said, all right, so you can either accept Jesus or you can live with me and be married and stay in this house and have the children. Choose one. And I said, well, if you accept Christ, you, I and the children, we become citizens of heaven and we will have the peace and all our sins forgiven. And he said, no, I don't accept that. I give you one week to decide. Abida Peltola was born in India and raised in a strict Muslim family. She eventually moved to Fiji to marry a man who was picked out by her sister. Her life took an unexpected twist when her sister said she had put her faith in Jesus Christ. How was Abida going to respond? We'll hear part two of her story next time. The story. story. Just another way vision is connecting faith to life. Before you go, thanks for listening. There's lots more great audio on demand, or you can listen to us live at visionradio.org.au. And remember, Vision is listener-supported. Your donation, large or small, will help us continue connecting faith to life for hundreds of thousands of people across Australia and around the world. Learn more or donate today at visionradio.org.au.